I would say they would have to believe in something bigger, whatever you want to call it, because you're just connecting to uh, the the wisdom of the universe, which again could be God <laughs> as well. So I, I think you can't do your life by yourself. You, you need to connect with the wisdom of the universe or connect with the wisdom of the community or the wisdom of others. So I, I would say it's much needed or you're going to get much further. Welcome everyone to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Welcome back to The Ultimate Shift. Today, we have Rich Lewis, who is an author, speaker, and a coach, and you focus a lot on inner transformation through prayer. Is, is that uh, described right? Yes, that, that's correct. And we'll get into it, but I, I focus on you know how uh, it's meditation in a relationship with God, um, how it has really transformed and healed me and, and, and showed me the way forward in life. Awesome. Well, Rich, can you tell us a little bit about your did you did you grow up in the Christian environment or did you was this something you learned later in life or what kind of what are the steps that brought you to where you're speaking and teaching about these things now? Sure. So I've, I've been just doing this actually since 2014. So I'll, I'll back further. <laughs> further than 2014. So I wasn't raised really in, in, in a Christian background. My, my, my mother passed away when I was three and a half. So if she had not, we probably would have been Catholic, but, but she passed away and, and we didn't, my father, I guess, chose not to continue down that path. So we didn't go to church. Um, my father remarried. I remember going to a Unitarian church when I was in junior high, and that really wasn't not not really a religious church, just a gathering of people. It, as I remember some of the things we went to, so we did that for a short while. And then when I was in high school, some of my friends invited me to go to a Thursday night youth group, at, and, and so I joined them and went. And I ended up going to that on Thursday nights, and that was backed by the a Baptist church. So I didn't I didn't join the church, but I simply went to a, a youth group that they did. So this was probably in. I think this was in 11th and 12th grade. So I was like 17 going on to 18. And that's where I guess I got introduced to the Bible and, and God and started learning and, and exploring that path. And then I went off to uh, University of Pittsburgh to school and then kind of got away from it for, for a while and then came back to it when I, uh, I came back to the area when I started my job. At that time, my parents were going to the United Church of Christ, and they asked if I wanted to come. So I did, and I ended up liking that church, and I spent about 20, almost 25 years in that church, got married in that church with my wife. So they're kind of a, a non-denominational, progressive, you know, very inclusive um, church. So that's right now I'm in, in between churches. So that, that's kind of my background before I even found Centering Prayer, uh, just to give you and the listeners, I guess, an idea. Okay. So I have a lot of questions on this topic. I, I grew up in a religious family. I certainly don't consider myself religious or go to church for that matter. But, you know, well, let's backtrack a little. So, so Center in Prayer, how did that, that's kind of your topic, kind of your company idea. Uh, how did that come about? Like, was there a time in your life that, 
that you felt uncentered or you were just kind of lost in the chaos of the world and and, and you somehow just stumbled upon this idea or this this thing and and also how different is that than meditation sure how do you differentiate because sometimes sometimes christians if, if not to put all of them in one box but sometimes people who tend to be religious or uh, they call themselves Christians don't necessarily believe in meditation or they see that as more of a Buddha type thing. So what, what's your take on them and, and how do the two compare? Sure. So centering prayer is considered, is considered meditation, but it's also considered a relationship with God. So that's, that's what I, when people ask me, are, are you just meditating? I'll say yes and no, or yes and more. So centering prayer practitioners believe, you know, we are meditating because you're sitting silently and we'll talk about how you do it, but it's considered a, a relationship with God. We're opening to the presence and actions of God within us during centering prayer. So we're getting silent, quieting our minds and opening to the presence and actions of God within. So it's considered meditation, but a relationship with, with God is is okay. is how we how we describe it so what is that is that intentional meditation like meaning if you're meditating is it is there a part of that meditation that you're also um you know prayer can be a lot of things to some people it's gratitude to some people it's asking for things so when you meditate in that regard and you're trying to to find that center within yourself is, is this a conversation, a silent conversation with, with God at the same time? Or, or how, do you, how do you find that for yourself? Sure. Why don't I describe how you do it? Because I'll answer the question. And then after that, if you want, I can come back to, you know, how did I stumble into it? Or how did, how did Center in Prayer find me? So I'll, I'll answer that second and, and remind me if I forget. So um, Center in Prayer um, you know, it is considered of, you know, meditation and a relationship with God. Some quick background is it was created in the early 1970s, but by three Trappist monks, three Catholic priests in the early 70s. Notice there was other forms of meditation going on and, and there wasn't something really for the Christian community. So um, they created Centering Prayer. One, one of the priests, Father William Manager, was reading a, an old classic book from the 14th century called The Cloud of Unknowing. And as he read it, a silent prayer method really popped out of the pages as he was reading it. And, and how you, so I'll describe how you do it to answer your question is you sit comfortably with your eyes closed to begin your prayer, you, you you introduce interiorly what we call a sacred word, usually of one or two syllables. So it could be love, God, a color, the ocean, Jesus. And that signifies you're beginning your silent sit and you're opening to the presence and actions of God within. And then whenever you begin engaging your thoughts, and what I mean by that is when you, th you think about all the things you were doing before your sit, or you think about all the things you have to do later that day after your sit, you realize you're no longer sitting with God, you're sitting with your planning and plotting. So you reintroduce that sacred word to come back to the present moment and the purpose of your sit of sitting with God, let go of all your planning and plotting and, and can come back to the present moment and then let go of that word. So it's not used as a mantra, it's just use the sacred word when needed. So it's really just considered sitting with God beyond thoughts and emotions and letting go of all of your thoughts and emotions and is letting letting as much of you sit with God as possible without your thoughts and emotions and letting God acting you at a deeper level beyond the thoughts and emotions. I think of it as a reverse prayer. God is praying in me what God wants me to do even as I get up from that sit. 
So it's really just a silent sit with God, trusting God or trusting the presence or your higher power or whatever you want to call it and wherever you're at in your faith, but not meditating on anything. So it's different than it's not verbal prayer. You're not talking in, in, to God and it's not meditative prayer. And what I mean by that is you're not maybe reading scripture and meditating on it, saying, now, what are you trying to tell me, God, in this scripture? It's you're sitting with God, not talking not pondering, simply just sitting and, and letting God acting you at a deeper level. So does that answer some of yeah, your questions? Yeah, that, that makes sense. So instead of where some people would start a meditation with the word love and they focus on the word love throughout the meditation, you are using it as a mantra to start, like you said, and, and then you kind of release it and you go into whatever else is coming down the pipeline, if you will, at that point. Right. But you're not. But the, but the objective centering prayer is really not to do any thinking. Is 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 a it's kind of a let go gesture. You're just letting go and sitting with God. Let go and sitting with God. So you're not thinking about anything. And when you begin, which is difficult to do, but when you when you do think, then you come back to the present moment. Let go of your thoughts and come back to the present moment. So it's a continuous return to God, return to God, return to God. So so to speak. Okay. So who is God to you? Great question. And God has changed for me over the years. So, you know, well before Centering Prayer, God was up in the sky looking down at me. God perhaps was maybe wasn't happy with me, maybe was judging me, maybe was disappointed in me. But as a result of, I guess, practicing Centering Prayer, God for me has changed to God is really everywhere. God is within me. And it doesn't mean I'm God. It just means God is within me. So God is within me. God is you know, behind me, pushing me forward and encouraging me to try and do new things. God is walking with me and partnering with me in my daily life. God is in front of me, gently pulling me, pulling me forward. And also God is, you know, a loving presence and God is no longer someone that, you know, is angry at me or critiquing me, but God is really just a loving presence that, that really wants the best for me, but is also very patient and sometimes will wait, wait for me because maybe I'm not moving as quickly as he, as he, she spirit may want, but God knows that I have to do it in, in my time. So God definitely has changed for me from, I would say, from you know junior high up until this point. I'm, I'm 55. Up, it's taken me probably a long time to get to the point of that's who God is for me. And, and God will probably keep changing. Maybe ask me in another 25 years in my 70s and 80s, and it'd be interesting to see if it's still God the same or what is God. What is my perspective of God or how much more of God has God sharing with me to say, well, you're halfway there, but you still got a lot more to, of, to experience of me. <laughs> yeah. I, and the reason I ask that question is when, you know, people tend to put God into a box of the God that they understand. And that God can vary from every different denomination to a religion, to spirituality, to 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 even atheist version of who God is. And so I find it interesting when people break down their version of, of who that is. And in order to understand, you know, centering yourself through prayer, I felt like that was that was an that was something that I was very interested in in what your answer would be if if you think, do you feel that that basically, well let's just say someone is caught up in the chaos of the world and they're listening to this show and their life's not going the way they want it to and that they want to find they want to find some some balance they want to find that center balance set that you talk about and maybe it's through prayer now or maybe you know what do you feel that 
people have that ability within themselves through uh, what's what I'm trying to find. basically that that if I was struggling in that way, that I would have that ability within myself to find that center. Or do you believe that without God, that's not possible? I, I guess for me, I, I guess I think of centering prayer as um, connecting me to my true self, the person God wants me to be. But but I also believe you know anybody can practice centering prayer and come as they are with whatever they believe. So you you can sit silently and practice centering prayer. And even if you don't know what you believe, if whether you whether you're scared of God, don't believe in God, think God is judging you. So I guess for me, it's just come to the point where I think of it as a silent sit with God, but I also do recognize everybody's coming. I think what I like about centering prayer is you come as you are with whatever your, your beliefs are. So for me, I'm at the point where I'm, I'm connecting to my true self, the person God wants me to be. I'm, I think of it as I sit with God, then I get up and, and walk with God on my true self journey through life. And the gesture of letting go during centering prayers, I'm letting go of thoughts. We tell ourselves things that are just not true, whether it's I'm too young to try something or I'm too old to try something or I don't have the right skill set or who am I to think I should do that. And you, you learn to let go all of, of all of that and connect to your true self, the person that God wants you to be, even if it scares the heck out of you, it doesn't mean you don't you don't do it. So that's what I think. I think of the center of prayers as connecting to my true self and then living for my true self. And I think anybody can do that. They can practice centering prayer, come as they are, let go of all the things they tell themselves that probably aren't true. Even me, I tell myself things that aren't true and I have to tell myself to knock it off. These are just thoughts. <laughs> They're not really true. Yeah. How does someone find their true self? If, if you don't, you know, Again, a lot of people don't don't really know who they are because they're just who they're told to be. So what's the first step in finding that true version of themselves? And question two to tie into that is, does that true self keep changing as you grow as well? Right. I mean, if you find your true self by letting go, because you're letting go of thoughts and things that you tell yourself that that aren't true that you, you psych yourself out. We, we tell ourselves things every day, our minds feeding us thoughts and, and they're not, some of them are harmful or, or, or we scare ourselves into trying something that we wanted to do, or we might have a goal in life and, and we never take action on it because we just, we fear what others will think, or we fear that we're not good enough, or we fear we don't have the right skill set. So you know, centering prayer helps you let go of all of these harmful thoughts and emotions so that you can take it, take action. And then your true self um, is a journey. So it, it's not an end point. It's, it's, it's a lifelong journey. I'm constantly journeying on the path of my true self, which means I'm exploring and doing new things. So all the things I'm doing this year, for, for example, with my website in five or 10 years, some of them might be the same and there might be other areas that I'm doing that I never dreamed of, but the fact that I opened, let go of my fears and opened up to what the journey might be. So it's a journey, not an endpoint to, to answer your question. And so, so your true self tends to change as you go along as well, I, I just like your relationship with God and, and, and the centering process. It does. I mean, if I, if I even think about my website, Silence Teaches, I started it about five years ago. It simply started as a, as a Monday meditation went off the site. 
and then and then it went and then it continued with that and then it went into one-on-one coaching and it went into interviewing other people with just written posts as having them answer questions book reviews off my website and went into teaching in the community uh, whether it was a church group or spiritual directors or some type of group that wanted me to talk about centering prayer it evolved into my book so it, it continues to evolve into, into different things so where do you think that that the, the center point is when is it is it let's say someone is practicing the center prayer practice and and they're doing this you know i don't know what you recommend but they're doing this every morning for instance and they just keep going. Is there a point in time where you have for yourself and you think that others should expect to feel the enlightenment process of that? And if so, how far into the process, how much time should someone put there before they get the piece of think of, of knowing, not thinking, but knowing that within themselves, something is starting to change? Sure. Well, I guess the first thing I would suggest for people to make a decision to try it. So make it the first thing you do in the morning before you do anything. So whatever day of the week, make that the first thing you do and and take baby steps. Like I, I practice now as, as much as possible twice a day for 20 minutes. But obviously, I, I wouldn't tell someone to do that. I would simply say, make it the first thing you do and, and try it for one to five minutes and try that for a month and and see how that feels and is this a practice that resonates with you and then if it is you know increase the time to 10 minutes and 15 minutes and 20 minutes each morning and then what i would tell them is to then add a second sit at that point if they now have a daily habit and they're doing it for 10 15 20 minutes add a second sit at some point during the day, whether it's before lunch or after lunch or before dinner or in the evening, and take the same steps with that sit if you need to with a few minutes and slowly working its way up until before you know it, you have a twice a day practice that you can't live without. And it's because you just feel like this is really helping me. And I guess we could talk about the fruits of the practice, but so that's what I would tell people: start with baby steps, but and make it the first thing you do, because otherwise you, you might you just might not discipline yourself to do it. If you say I'm going to do it before lunch, you might never do that. But if you tell yourself I'm going to do this first thing in the morning before I begin my day, you might have a better chance of actually doing it. And what what are the you know you touched briefly on that? What are the fruits of the labor? I guess if you will, sure of, of the practice. If if somebody was to do do this for 30 days, what what should they expect at the end of the 30 days? Sure. Yeah, I, I would say, and I can speak for myself. I mean, obviously I've been doing it for quite a while now. So, you know, I think about various things that have, that that I have I have changed. So I guess I'm calmer, you know, I'm I'm less reactive. And what I mean by that is I'm more willing to listen to someone rather than jump to an opinion or critique someone. I'm more willing to just listen and give them this this space and presence they deserve. I'm more confident, definitely more confident in myself. I'm more willing to get out of my comfort zone and try and do new things. I'm more present. So I think I'm more, I think I'm enjoying life more because I'm more present and just enjoying the present moment and and what it has to offer me. So those are some things, you know, that I've noticed in myself. So I think others will notice that as well. And I'm more productive, believe it or not. Um, Because if you think about it, you know, you're letting go of thoughts and emotions and you can take that same gesture or posture with you. It kind of comes with you into your daily life. So during the day as I'm working, I, I can let go of the things I don't need to hone in and focus on and, and 
focus on those tasks that need to be done and let go of the tasks that don't need to be done. So, so many people will tell me you know, that they don't have the time for a second sit and, and I'll tell them, you know, try it and just trust it. You'll find it has a way of giving you back time. Um, you end up being more productive because you're kind of refilling the reservoir. So you, so you do a sit first thing in the morning and then you five or six hours has passed and then you do a second sit it helps you finish the day. It, it, it's kind of like a re, it's like a reset button for me. It's, I'm, I'm resetting, refreshing myself, reconnecting myself to God so that I can have a, a good and powerful and strong second half of the day, like the first half of the day was. So what do you say to people if they come to you and they said, you know, I want to learn the enlightenment process of my life. I want to feel better about the de- decisions I'm making, but I just don't believe in God. I, I would say, as I said earlier, I mean, you can still you can still do this practice. Come as you are, um, and, and just try it. And open if you don't want to call it God, open the life or or your higher power or or infinite wisdom. I mean, I, I don't think God is upset with what he, what God is called. I mean, God, I guess we've been calling God, God for a while, but many people refer to God in different ways, Holy spirit, higher power, infinite wisdom, life. <laughs> so I would just say, come, come as you are and just trust the process. And maybe that's the nice thing about centering prayers. You don't have to pray verbally. You don't have to worry about what you say. You, you don't have to say anything. You're, you're, you're just sitting. <laughs> so is this a replacement essentially for prayer as, as, people interpret it, uh, interpret what prayer is to them? No, not, not at all. In fact, I, I would encourage people, you know, let it enrich your prayer life. You, you, like I even think of it as like, if you, if you had to say prayer was a path, you can think of maybe the first step is verbal prayer where you're talking to God and asking God for something or, or thanking God or questioning God or <laughs> lamenting or complaining. And then maybe the next, as you venture on the prayer path, the next path could be if you're you know reading scripture and you're meditating on it and saying now what are you trying to tell me in this passage that I'm reading what are you what am I supposed to learn from it and then as you continue on the path you're you're not doing verbal prayer and you're not meditating on scripture you're just simply sitting with God and letting God pray and pray in you I think of it as a reverse prayer so I tell people don't give up your other ways of praying you know add this and, and complement and, and enrich your life. And I pray other ways too. It's not the only way that I pray. So this this might be a little different direction, but I'm I'm very curious about this and have been for a long time. When you know I'm I'm really curious in your take on this. Some people say you know, and, and I'm not I'm not religious, and I'm not not religious if that makes sense. Uh, but it's it's merely questions I think about when because I've noticed people use God as an excuse or as as or the opposite, you know. But where do you think, you know, you mentioned earlier that, that God is also within us. And where do you think, the, or is there no line when it comes to somebody thinking, let's just take a basic principle of I have to change my life and I have to believe in something bigger or better than I've currently believed to this day in order for this to change. Do you think that with without God or without a higher being placed there, this, this being being whatever you want it to be, that someone can change within themselves? Or is it always that they have to believe in something bigger in order to achieve that change? I would say they would have to believe in something bigger, whatever you want to call it, because you're just connecting to uh, the the wisdom of the universe, which again, could be God (laughs) as well. So I, I think you can't do your life by yourself. You, you need to connect with 
the wisdom of the universe or connect with the wisdom of the community or the wisdom of others. So I, I would say it's much needed or you're going to get much further. It doesn't mean you, you won't do well, but I have a feeling you might be able to go a whole lot further when you can connect to the, the wisdom of the universe. And, and maybe I'm becoming new agey here, but I'm thinking of God is in the universe. So I'm just connecting with God. God, the wisdom of God is, is there for me to take and God wants me to take it. It's just up to me to take it and open up to it. Do you believe that sometimes people get caught up in God in the word God itself, meaning making, never really getting past that, meaning putting their sole responsibility and purpose into the hands of the universe or God to the point that they maybe don't do the work themselves, which in your case could be the centering yourself through prayer, the, the quiet time. Do you feel like sometimes people can get lost in that idea of God in itself without the work and therefore their life kind of just stays stuck where it is? I, I do. I mean, I think I think of it as I, I'm partnering with God. I don't think God's not going to just say, for me at least, at least that's my experience. Is it's it's a I'm sitting with God, then I'm partnering with God. So I think it definitely requires action. I mean, it's and if you think about it, it's really silence and action go together. All my actions are spawning or birthing from from my silence, but but I have to take action. So I'm I'm sitting and I'm opening to the presence and actions of God within and I'm and I'm and I'm letting go of me and then letting the wisdom come through me. And then I'm getting up and, and and acting on it. So so you do need to act on it. It's just not gonna it's not gonna happen without you know, without your action. And that action could be what you're teaching here, centering yourself through prayer or just taking the steps of bettering your life in any way, and which leads me to the next question. Do you believe it's more important to give gratitude to God for what you have or to continue to ask God to give you what you don't currently have and maybe what your heart desires? I would say to do both. I mean, actually, if I kind of think about it, that's what you're doing during centering prayers. You're letting go, and in a way you are asking. I mean, I'm not asking, but I'm, I'm letting God's wisdom and God's actions come to the surface within me. So I am kind of doing that in centering prayer. And then the gratitude part, the interesting that you say that is I, I'm a big believer in gratitude. So actually, before I go to bed at night, that's what I do. I, I get on my knees and I just simply thank God for the day. I look back and, and, and just try to mention all the things I'm grateful for, big and small, whether it's a cup of coffee I enjoyed with my wife and it or show I enjoyed with my wife or, or some accomplishment or some, some neat thing that happened out of, out of the blue. So I end my day with gratitude because I, I just want to sleep with gratitude and then wake up with gratitude. So both, I think you need to ask God, you know, what do you want me to do, God, and let go of what you might think, but just what do you want? And that's what you're doing in Centering Prayer. You're, you're just opening to God and letting God act in you. And you're kind of asking God to take over and show you what you should be doing. And then at the end of the night, for me, at least, that's my routine is I... I, I Love the idea of gratitude and being grateful, looking back at the day and, and for what you know, this little, small, medium and big things that happened. Do you think that there is a disconnect between, again, not wanting to put everyone in a box in this case, but I, I've noticed a lot of, of religious people, uh, if you want. To, and by the way, religious and Christianity, I believe, is two different things. But religious, I, I know a lot of religious people. Uh, and when I say religious, I mean, in they believe in a way of like, you could say the way it used to be or, or by laws, if you will, certain things are just the way they are and you don't adapt and adjust and pivot those things whatsoever. But they're also at the same time, 
seem at least very unhappy and they are often financially oppressed. Do you think that there's a disconnect between the the religious sector, if you will, and gratitude somewhere in there where people expect that because they're a, a Christian, if you will, that they're just not going to, they shouldn't rather have the problems that whether it's financial or some other things, and therefore the lack of gratitude is just not there. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Or do you feel that that usually if people practice gratitude, they have a better life? Well, I do think that. I mean, I think I think if you practice gratitude, you're, you're going to have a better life because we can always be grateful for things. So I guess I, I didn't quite understand your question. I want to make sure I understand your question. Have you ever noticed... This is just an observation on my behalf, but have you ever noticed that somewhere along the line of being religious and practicing too much gratitude, they don't seem to go hand in hand, meaning you almost have to be one or the other. And when you're very religious, I've noticed a lot of people tend to keep asking for things like, well, you know, God, I believe in you. So therefore, you know, this is what I want. And you said in the scripture that you will give me to my heart's content. And this is what I want. And they kind of get stuck on that path versus you know, listening to someone like you talks about the importance of gratitude, or when you think about meditation, you often think of gratitude. And I think somewhere in there, there lies the, the that disconnect of, of also why some Christians prefer not to talk or, or practice meditation. Is is that a problem, I guess is my question, that in that, that community, that maybe there should be more meditation and gratitude? And this isn't a right or wrong question, it's just an mm-hmm. option on my behalf of like, is that, do you feel that disconnect is there? Have you ever noticed it being there? Or is this just something that, that maybe I'm seeing from my viewpoint? No, I, 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 now I understand what you're saying. No, I mean, I, I think people need to be more open to what God wants them to do. So I, I think meditation and gratitude will open them up to what they should be doing. So that what, what, and the same thing can happen to me. What I want sometimes is it natu- is if I let go and silence myself, I might over time begin to realize, no, that's not really the right thing for me. And I, this isn't the path I, I should be on. This isn't the thing I should be doing. Um, I can even look at my own life. I, w- I was a individual contributor at a large financial firm. And then I was a manager at that firm for 10 years. And then I was a stay-at-home dad for two and a half years, then went back to the firm and I was in, back to an individual contributor. And it kind of dawned on me, I'm better at being it's like the manager path was good and it served a purpose, but it's not the thing I should be doing for the next 10, 10 years. It's, no, it's not what God wants me to do. And even and, what I'm doing now, I mean, I, I never, the book was in my website and teaching and, and speaking and getting on podcasts and, and writing a book wasn't even on the, on the radar, but it became on the radar because I, I sat in silence and, and silented my thoughts and fears and, and opened up to, well, what should I be doing? So I would say, yes, I think silence and, and gratitude are much needed because it'll open up kind of a tremendous journey, a future path for you that you're not allowing unless you silent yourself. If you're too, if you're so busy talking or, or so busy expecting things, it's not going to happen. So I don't think any of this would have been happened for me if I hadn't practiced. It wouldn't have. We wouldn't be, we, I wouldn't be talking on this podcast with you if I hadn't been practicing centering prayer. Do you think that the reason more people don't practice that stillness, that quiet time is because they're, they're afraid of what they would find. It could be because in, in some many instances, 
it forces you to sit with your thoughts. So in, in, because what can happen in centering, a lot of things can, a lot of good things can happen in centering prayer if, if you can push through it. So if you think about it, your body holds a ton of tension and stress. So one thing that can happen is you're just releasing tension and stress that your body is holding each time you sit over the long haul, you're just relaxing and releasing stress that you might not even have known you had. And you, and we all hold it in our forehead or shoulders or stomach, wherever you might hold it. So you're releasing that, but you're also letting go of thoughts and you're also letting go of re, repressed thoughts and emotions that you might, you possibly had going all the way back to a, a baby. So that can be the scary part is you, you might, things might come up and you're like, where did that come from? And, and I don't want to deal with that. So I'm not going to sit in silence, but if you can kind of persist and it's kind of like an unloading process, it's a healing process. So this type of practice can heal you physically and, and mentally if you can allow, if you can just allow it to happen, but it can be very scary. <laughs> and that's what you mean by, let's say you find yourself in that position where like, this is, this is, this isn't feeling good anymore. This is scary. <laughs> And that's when you come back to that one word that you choose, whether it be love or, or still, you know, whatever. Now, okay, well, we're getting away from love. Let's come back to love and let's start over again. I can see right. how that, that's a very beneficial uh, part of, of the, the whole process. Right. And then I would say, obviously, if, if you have had some really traumatic experiences in your life, there's nothing wrong with practicing centering prayer, but also seeking a professional, whether it's a psychiatrist or, or a therapist psychologist and and working through if you really have some terrible things from your past that you you have to deal with you can still practice centering prayer but you might need the help of of a professional like that to to get you through it as as well if if you're finding that you have had you know very traumatic background with with some abusive or or just terrible things that happened to you so the the center prayer idea if i'm not mistaken and if i'm hearing you correctly is is just an added benefit to your day. Meaning if you take the time to do this, to do this, then it's just adding to your, your mental stability, your peace and quiet time of the day. It's not a fix all for anything that ails you type of thing. Right. To explore. I mean, it can lead to mm-hmm. you finding your better solutions is also, I guess. It's- right. I mean, it, it it's powerful over the long haul. So if you just keep practicing centering prayer, you'll notice things over the long haul. So as you know, I've been practicing it since 2014. It, it has changed me. I, I, I'm a much more confident person. I'm a much more calmer person. I'm more willing to try and do new things. And I've been doing a lot of new things that I never dreamed that 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 I would be doing. Um, and, and I'm less reactive and more willing to be present and I'm enjoying life more. So for me, just... The twice a day silent sit has just been a powerful experience um, of healing and transforming and showing me what what I should be doing versus reacting to your your circumstances and situations. Right. I mean, that helps do that as well. I'm not reacting. I'm, I'm taking control, letting go of what I can't control and focusing on what I can control and then better determining what what really is my best action for today. So if you were uh, we're coming up on time here, so I want to make sure I I honor your time on this. Uh, If you were given the world stage and everyone was listening and you were given some time to, to tell the world what you think the world needs to hear in today's time and everything that's going on, what would you say to the world? Well, I would have to say we, we, we should all take a daily dose of silence. Just take the first thing in the morning, take a daily dose of silence, whether it's one to five minutes. 
and, and keep doing it. And then if you can, you know, add doses of silence throughout the day. You can always take a silent pause before you do anything. And I even do that. I do that too. I, I may not necessarily do a full fledged you know, 20 minute sit, but I, if I have to go do a, a presentation that makes me nervous, I'll take a moment, you know, a minute of silence. If you have to go to a doctor and you're scared to go to the doctor, take a minute of silence. So you can take, I would encourage people to take a daily dose of silence first thing in the morning, but then don't be afraid of taking it when needed, you know, even if it's just one minute. I think the world would be that much better if we could, we'd be less reactive and we would probably take better actions or sometimes no actions because sometimes no action is needed. You just need to be present and you didn't necessarily have to take, take that action. I like that. I like that. I think we could all benefit from being a little more silent sometimes in, a, in the noisy, chaotic world we live in. Well, uh, Richard, how, how can people find you? Uh, is there a certain platform you hang out the most on, whether it's social media or, or your website? Or how do people connect with you and, and find you to learn more, more about what you teach? Sure. The best place would be my website, silenceteaches.com. If they come there, when they subscribe, they'll get my free ebook on Centering Prayer if they wanted to learn more about it. It's, it's a very short 15-page PDF that will teach them about Centering Prayer. And then if they want to further explore it, my book is on, is on my website as well, Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. That's been out about one year now. But so silenceteachers.com is the best place to find me. And then if they like different social media platforms, the icons are on there. So whether they do Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, they could click one or all of them and find me on, on those platforms. Awesome. Okay. Well, and we'll put all that in the show notes as well. Well, Great. I... I uh, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your perspective on the world and, and how we can all be better at it. And uh, yeah, thanks for being here. No, thanks for having me. Hopefully it was something helpful for your community. And I thought your, I thought your questions were excellent. I mean, they, they, they pushed me, but pushed me in a good way just to really talk about, you know, what is this and how can it help people? And what about those people that are not really sure about God? So I thought they were great questions. So thank you. Yeah, it's something I'm still learning about each and every day, too. So your answers definitely helped me as well. So until next time on the show. Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy. And we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up. But there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at Ephraim Glick. Dot com. See you next time.